So let's start our Dhamma talk with the Namotasa. Namo Tassa Bhagavata Ahahata Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa Bhagavata Ahahata Samma Sambhutasa Namo Tassa So by today, we have been doing three days of metta meditation in this retreat. And as I said uh, in the first evening, then after three days, we will switch to vipassana meditation. So tomorrow morning, then, we will switch to vipassana meditation. And so in order for you to be able to practice vipassana meditation and know what exactly to do, how to meditate, so tonight I will give an introduction to vipassana meditation and then go on to give the very practical instructions so that for those of you who have never practiced Vipassana meditation or who have never practiced this kind of Vipassana meditation, then you will know how to go about it. And those who have already practiced this kind of Vipassana meditation, which is based on how Mahasi Sayadaw has taught it, and over there, below the Buddha, you have the picture of Mahasi Sayadaw. So for those of you who are familiar with this uh, method of practicing Vipassana meditation, just take it as a reminder um, of how to practice. And although it's uh, Mahasi it's in the method of Mahasi Sayadaw, but each teacher uh, always presents the instructions in a slightly different way or stresses different uh, points. So as we have seen, the purpose of metta meditation and vipassana meditation are different. Metta meditation is one kind of samatha meditation which basically aims at developing a highly or deeply um, concentrated state of mind. And so when we take metta as a meditation practice by developing thoughts of loving kindness and strengthening this quality in ourselves, at the same time, the mind will become deeply concentrated. And it's even possible to achieve the jhanas, the absorptions, with the metta practice. Vipassana meditation, on the other hand, has 
understanding as its aim or gaining insights, developing wisdom. And so when it says it aims at understanding, insights, wisdom, so the question arises, what kind of understanding is that? Or what do we need to understand? If we look at the word vipassana, then we will get a clue. Vipassana is a word from the Pali language and it is made up of two words. Pasana is one word and vi is another word. Pasana means to see clearly or to realize. And V is translated as various or manifold. And in the commentaries to the scriptures, it says that various, manifold refers to three general characteristics. And these three general characteristics of mental and physical phenomena are impermanence, unsatisfactoriness or suffering, and non-self or selfless nature of phenomena. So then, put these words together, vipassana means clearly seeing and realizing the three general characteristics of anicca, dukkha, and anatta. These are just the Pali words for the three general characteristics. Anicca being impermanence. Dukkha means unsatisfactoriness or suffering. And anatta means non-self or selfless nature. So in order to clearly see and understand these three characteristics, then we need to look at (coughs) the different phenomena arising in our body and mind. means we need to observe these processes happening in our body and mind very carefully so that eventually we come to see that they all possess these three general characteristics. So, unlike Samatha meditation, where we have only one single object, in Vipassana meditation, we have a great variety of objects. Basically, all objects arising in the body and mind can become the object of our vipassana meditation because we need to clearly see and understand them in their uh, general characteristics and we also will come to see that each of these phenomena in body and mind has its own specific characteristics.
When we are able to see things clearly, when we are able to understand them in the true nature, this clear seeing or understanding then leads to wisdom. And it's only through wisdom that we can abandon the causes for suffering and that we can nurture the causes for well-being, happiness and peace. In order to be able to do so, to abandon what leads to misery and suffering, to nurture what leads to contentment, happiness and peace, wisdom needs to understand all existing phenomena very clearly. Wisdom needs to see them as they really are. Because it's only when we have a very clear picture of what actually is or how phenomena uh, happen when we see uh, their workings, uh, can we really do something about to change our uh, unsatisfactory state of life. So then we have the tools to clearly know what needs to be abandoned and what needs to be developed or nurtured. One of the most basic factors that we need to develop in Vipassana meditation is mindfulness or awareness. And because this mental factor called mindfulness is such an important and basic factor in this practice, Vipassana meditation is also referred to as insight meditation or mindfulness meditation. Mindfulness then being the base for insights, understanding and wisdom to arise. Because it's only when we really, when we are mindful, when we are aware, when we are present, that we actually can observe phenomena happening in our body and mind. When we are not present, when the mind is wandering and thinking about something else, we cannot really observe what is happening. So we need this factor of mindfulness. But for insight and wisdom to arise, other factors are also needed. We also need to develop other factors in the course of our practice. But by trying to establish uh, mindfulness, then these other factors will also be developed. So, for example, we need some energy, a certain amount of effort, so that we actually engage in this practice. So then effort, virya, is developed. Or another factor is uh, sada, confidence or faith, which we need an initial 
faith or confidence in this practice. And by doing the practice, this confidence and faith then will grow and deepen. Or another factor that we need to develop is tranquility, a calm mind. Because only when the mind becomes really focused, calm and still, uh, do we have ample time to observe the phenomena that are coming up. And there are many other factors that also will be uh, developed in the course of our mindfulness practice. So the, me- the most basic instruction for Vipassana meditation is to mindfully observe whatever is arising in the present moment in this body and mind. Or, in other words, Vipassana meditation can be explained as to constantly be mindful of all the mental and physical phenomena as they really are from moment to moment. This is the basic instruction. But for beginners, those not familiar with this kind of Vipassana meditation practice, this instruction is quite vague. And so therefore, the practice is divided into three aspects. And then for each of these three aspects, there are some more specific instructions to give. So the three aspects of practice that we have are we have sitting meditation, the second is walking meditation, and the third aspect is mindfulness in daily activities, meaning mindfulness in all the other activities that we are engaged in throughout the day when we are not doing formal sitting or walking meditation. And so now I will go through these three aspects of the practice and give the very basic and practical instructions of how to be mindful of how to practice. So first the instructions for the sitting meditation. As the word implies, that's when we sit, when we do the practice in the sitting posture. And so for the posture of the body, it's important that the upper part of our body is upright and straight and that the head is in line with the spine. Then our hands, arms, they are comfortably resting in our lap or they can be placed on the legs, on the thighs, towards the knees. And having the hands in the lap the palms face upwards and traditionally the left hand is below and the right hand is on top of it. So 
the right hand with the palm up rests on top of the left palm. And so one just can very comfortably rest the arms, the hands in one's lap. And in some techniques it's advised to hold the thumbs together, especially in kind of um, concentration types of meditation. But in Vipassana meditation, this is not necessary. It can even become an obstacle, because then one is always trying to make sure that the thumbs are still together and sometimes unnecessary pressure and tension arises by uh, pushing the two thumbs together. So let the thumbs rest comfortably wherever they feel comfortable uh, on your hand. And we can sit either on the ground, cross-legged, and full lotus position is not necessary. Also half lotus is not necessary. What is uh, most convenient is the so-called Burmese uh, posture, which means the legs are cross-legged, but next to each other. So no need to put one foot or leg on top of the other. One leg is closer to the body, resting on the floor, and the other leg is uh, beside that leg, also resting on the floor. So this doesn't create any unnecessary tensions in the legs or having the ankle on top of the other foot. The legs could also be tucked to either side of the body. And because mostly Westerners are not used to sit on the floor, as the Asian people are growing up sitting on the floor. So for many Westerners, it's difficult to sit uh, on the floor cross-legged without any cushions. So cushions can be uh, taken as a support to support uh, your body, to uh, make it possible that your upper part of the body is upright. So a cushion below the buttocks. And it's also possible to put cushions below your knees in case they kind of stick up in the air. And that also uh, leaves a lot of tension and pain. But if one supports them with a cushion below, that eases that problem. It's also possible to have a little meditation stool where one kind of um, sits with the legs below uh, the stool, the buttocks, it's also possible to sit on a chair, but important thing is to keep your body upright, the upper part of it. And especially when one is sitting on a chair, it is not advised to lean against the back of your chair. In this way, it has just uh, been experienced that the mind somehow rests in a sluggish state. So if one um, keeps the body free, not leaning against the back, this kind of 
that amount of energy that is needed to keep the body upright is also uh, helping the mind to be clear and uh, having enough energy. So then, once we have found a comfortable posture, or more or less comfortable, then one should close one's eyes, so gently close uh, your eyes. And so then to be mindful of whatever arises in body and mind at the beginning of a retreat, for a beginner of Vipassana meditation, then if one closes the eyes and wants to be mindful of what is happening in the body and mind, it might not be so clear, not very distinct, or uh, can seem as if many things are actually go, going on at the same time. And so to have a starting point or a point, an object to which we can go back at any time, when nothing else is very obvious or distinct, we take the abdominal movement as the primary object. So this uh, movement of the abdomen is, an, is a phenomenon, phenomenon that is always present. It's caused through the breath and as long as we are alive, we are breathing, and so therefore this movement at the level of the abdomen will always be there. So that's a very convenient object because we can go back to it any time. As I said, it's this movement of the belly, the movement of the abdomen, moving back and forth, upwards, downwards, expanding, contracting whatever. And so many people think this is just another kind of breathing meditation or uh, observing the breath. But this is not the case. So it's observing this movement which is caused by the breath. So there's a relationship to the breath. But it's not the breath itself. So it's not observing the breath. So we don't need to pay any attention to our breathing in or the air uh, going down into our lungs or whatever. We can ignore that completely. So when we place our uh, awareness on the abdomen around the navel, all we are concerned with is to be mindful of this movement that is happening there. And so then we start to be mindful of this movement. So we'll feel the belly rising or falling or expanding, contracting, moving outwards, falling back. And so with this movement, observing this movement, we try to establish mindfulness. We try to be mindful of this movement as it is happening. So we try to be able to observe it as it is rising 
try to observe it through its movement and then when it's falling again we try to be fully present with that falling movement observing as it is happening and so rising, falling, rising, falling trying to be mindful of it trying to be aware of that at the beginning of a retreat for meditators who have not uh, done many meditation retreats there is another helpful tool for the mind to stay with the object to be better able to be mindful of it because at the beginning mindfulness is not yet very strong the mind is not yet concentrated and so it has the tendency to go off very quickly, very often and so to help the mind better to stay with that abdominal movement we have the tool of noting this movement or labeling it which means as we are observing the belly rising as we are aware of this rising movement simultaneously we make this very soft and gentle label in the mind noting it rising and then when the belly is falling moving backwards as we are aware that this movement is happening softly and gently in the mind we label it as falling and then with the next rising movement observing it as it is happening and at the same time label it rising with the next falling movement being fully aware of it and at the same time label it falling so our awareness is accompanied by the soft gentle mental label rising falling rising falling rising falling and so on when we use the label we have to make sure that it doesn't occupy too much space in our mind like 95% of our awareness should be with the actual movement and about 5% is with the label or making sure this label uh, is happening so when we start being aware of the rising and falling movement of the abdomen and observe it for some time we will notice that although we uh, try our best the mind still goes out thinks about something else is distracted by sounds or whatever and so when this happens whatever comes up and takes our mindfulness from the primary object then we simply shift our mindfulness to that object and also observe it mindfully carefully so let's say as you are observing the rising and falling movement you become aware that the mind has slipped away and is actually thinking about something else so then 
we do not pull the mind back to the abdomen and try to observe rising and falling. That's the samatha approach. That's the concentration meditation approach. But in vipassana, when we notice there is a thought, then we bring our mindfulness, our awareness to the fact that there is a thought. And so the thought becomes the object of our meditation. And when we observe thoughts, it's not so much going into into the content of the thought or the story or trying to find out the cause, why this thought has arisen, but it's more to acknowledge that there is a thought or a thought process is happening. Simply that. So being aware, thinking is happening. And also here, to help the mind to just observe the thought as such, we label it. As we are observing it, we softly and gently label it thinking, 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 thinking. Accompany our awareness of it with this mental label. And it's important in Vipassana meditation that we, that we stay with an object as long as it is there. Only when it has disappeared, uh, gone, only then do, do we return to the primary object, to the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. Sometimes by uh, observing and noting a thought, it doesn't take long until the thought just stops or disappears. Maybe two or three notings, thinking, 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 and then the thought is no longer there. So then we return to the primary object, observe the rising and falling movement. Sometimes when a thought is really strong and powerful, or stubborn, it can take quite a while to observe and note the thought. 10, 15, 20 notings. You know, never mind. Stay with it as long as it is there. And only when you have seen it disappearing or when it has somehow just stopped, only then go back to to note the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. Or if you hear a sound, a noise, a car outside, a helicopter flying over the center, somebody opening or those uh, closing the door. So whatever sound or noise you hear, just make it the object of your meditation. And again, with the sounds, it's just to become aware that you hear something. Again, it's not trying to figure out where the sound uh, comes from or uh, what kind of sound it is, a car, a helicopter, a bird singing, whatever. Simply acknowledge that you hear something, you hear some sound, some noise. And so that 
can be accompanied with the noting of hearing, 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 hearing. And so stay with the sound as long as it is present. And then when the sound has disappeared, has stopped, then you may return to observe the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. Other objects that may arise are sensations in the body, feelings of heat or cold or tingling sensation or an itch. So if this is the case and if this sensation in the body becomes distinct, more obvious than the rising and falling movement, then shift your awareness to that sensation in the body and observe that tingling sensation. Look carefully at it. Try to see it as it is and uh, accompany it with the noting of tingling, 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 tingling or itchy, 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 itchy. And stay with that sensation as long as it is distinct or dominant. When it has gone, disappeared, or when it has become so weak that it is no longer really distinct or obvious, then you may return to the primary object, the rising and falling movement of the abdomen. It will also happen uh, that you feel that you will feel pain, painful sensations. And so in Vipassana meditation, pain also becomes the object of our meditation because we want to understand the nature of pain. We really want to see what this thing called pain or ache is all about. And so in order to really understand what the painful sensation is all about, we need to observe it. We really need to face it. We need to look at it. Only through this will understanding arise. Of course, in the beginning of a retreat, when mindfulness and concentration are not yet very strong, it's a bit difficult and challenging to stay with painful sensations. Later on, uh, it will become easier. So in the beginning, patience and perseverance is greatly needed. As much as you can, try to stay with the pain and observe it. As much as you can, try not to shift the posture of your body. Only if it becomes really, really unbearable and uh, you think now the knee is going to explode or the back spine is going to break, then gently, mindfully adjust your posture. Because if you start to change posture after a short while, the pain has arisen, then it will become a bad habit later on in the practice. 
and uh, meditators also miss a very good object because through observing pain meditators can actually gain very deep and profound understanding but in the beginning you know don't stretch your limit um, later on as concentration and mindfulness become better it's going to be easier uh, to deal with pain then another thing that we need to observe are all the different emotions or mental states that come up during our practice and with emotions or mental states I mean sadness or happiness frustration joy boredom anger laziness and so on so all these different kinds of emotions emotional states must also be carefully and mindfully observed because again here we want to come to see what this thing frustration is really like or what happiness does really feel like or is like or anger how does that manifest so whenever let's say sadness arises and becomes distinct and obvious then shift your awareness away from the abdominal movement and bring it to that sadness and then simply observe sadness again don't analyze it don't try to uh, figure out why this sadness has arisen or what the trigger was for it to arise but simply acknowledge sadness is present sadness is happening and so observe sadness look at it and use the mental label softly accompanying it as sad 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 and observe the sadness until it dissolves or or changes into something else even if it takes a while never mind being mindful is the important thing even if you spend most of your sitting meditation observing other objects thoughts pains emotions sounds and if you do not spend much time with observing the rising and falling movement of the abdomen that's perfectly fine so it's not about being as much of the time as much as possible of the time with your abdominal movement that's not sort of the primary aim the abdominal movement is just a very convenient object to start your sitting meditation to have something to be aware of and mindfully observe or when nothing else is really distinct or dominant then uh, you can go back to it but if you have many other objects arising and being distinct then observe those and after having observed the thought 
then you do not need to go back to rising and falling if, let's say, there is a pain in the knee that you notice and is distinct. So from observing a thought, you can directly go to observe the pain in the knee. And if that uh, dissolves and passes away, uh, you might be aware of some tingling sensation in the shoulder. So then directly go there, observe that. And while you observe this, you might hear a very loud sound, which is even more distinct and obvious than the the tingling sensation. So observe the sound. And when the sound has stopped, the tingling sensation may be still there. Then go back, continue to observe that. When that has faded away, maybe then at that moment there is no other distinct object, so then you may go back to note the rising and falling movement of the afternoon. So these are the instructions for the sitting meditation. Now we go to the second aspect of our practice, and this is the walking meditation. And basically, the same principle applies as in sitting meditation, except that instead of sitting, we are trying to be mindful of the phenomena arising and passing away in our body and mind. So, while we are walking back and forth. And so, for the walking meditation, first of all, you need to choose a place where you can walk up and down, or back and forth. So walking meditation is not just walking around in the center and looking at the beautiful trees and the nice birds and the butterflies and the flowers, whatever, but you pick a spot, a path, where you do your walking meditation. And so... Again, then when you start your walking meditation, standing at one end of your walking path, first of all, just be aware of you standing there. Be aware of the body standing, being upright. And this can also be a time to really uh, stretch your body in case uh, your back is a bit slouched. Upright but still relaxed and also the head is in spine with the light with the spine in the walking meditation we do not close the eyes we have them open because we need to see uh, where we step and for the posture of the arms or hands In the walking meditation, you should hold your hands either in front or in the back of your body. Like hold the hands together, like this, in front, or you may kind of cross them uh, like that. Or the same thing might be done on the back. Don't let them loose, don't let them hang loosely on the sides of your body. Because... 
having the arms just loosely hanging down, so when you walk, they may slightly uh, swing back and forth, and this will be an obstacle uh, to concentration. So, uh, to develop concentration, it's more helpful when the arms, the hands are held together, either in front or the back of the body. And another benefit of holding your hands together is I have noticed that if I hold them together, then my fingers won't get swollen. However, if I have them hanging down on my sides, then doing one hour of walking meditation, I tend to get swollen fingers. So that's another uh, benefit from doing so. So as I said, first of all, standing there, observe the upright posture of your body. And you also can bring your awareness down to your feet and be aware of the touching sensation of your feet with the ground. And so we can uh, take a few moments to observe the the standing posture and the touching sensations of the feet with the ground. And while doing so, we also use the mental labeling, standing, 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 touching, 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 standing, 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 touching, touching, touching. Do it two or three times each. And then we start to walk. And another thing that helps our concentration to be established and then deepen is to have our eyes cast down and look at the spot around two meters ahead of you. So don't let your eyes gaze into the distance or to the sides because this will be very distracting. The eyes can see so many interesting things uh, where you do your walking meditation. So that is a great danger. If you have your eyes cast down, looking in front of you on the ground, so then you won't have so many visual distractions. And be careful that by gazing down, you still have the head and straight and upright. Sometimes I see meditators trying to really only look down on the ground. They bend the head <laughs> like this and this causes unnecessary tensions in the neck or shoulders and can even lead to headaches. And so then, when you are ready to start walking, then we focus our mind, our uh, attention on our feet. And as we take a step, we try to be mindful of this movement, uh, taking that step. So the movement of the feet are our prime, is our prim- <coughs> primary object in walking meditation. In sitting meditation, 
we have the abdominal movement, which is our primary object. An object we can start with and we can return to any time. And so in the walking meditation, it's the movement of the foot that is our primary object that we start with or that we can return to at any time. And so first of all, we just make one step after the other and try to be mindful of each step as we are taking it, trying to feel the movement or to feel whatever we can feel while taking a step. And again here, we note it as right, left, right, left, right, left, for each step that we are taking. Again, the main focus should be on the movement, on really experiencing of what is happening in around the foot while we are taking that step. And about 5% is uh, used for the labeling. And then, when we come to the other end of our walking path, first of all, we stand still. And while standing still, we bring our awareness to our standing posture, being aware the body is upright, and be aware of our feet standing uh, on the ground, like the touching sensations. And so again, two or three times, notice the standing and the touching sensations. Yes. Standing, 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 touching, 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 standing, 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 touching, 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 standing, 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 touching, touching, touching. And then, after that, you need to turn around the body. And as you are turning around your body, try to be aware of those movements, turning your body. Note it, turning, 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 until you finish turning and you're looking into the direction from where you came. But after the turning, don't start walking immediately. Again, stop and bring your uh, awareness to the fact you are standing, upright posture of the body, and the touching sensations of the feet with the ground. And note that uh, two or three times each. Standing, 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 touching, 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 and so on. And only after that, start walking again, being aware of the movements of the foot as you take one step after another. And arriving at the other end of your walking path, do the same thing again. And so, when we do the walking meditation, in order to be able to feel each step, to observe um, each movement of the feet clearly, we need to slow down a little bit. If we walk in our normal pace, then that's too fast to clearly see uh, each step, to clearly see what is happening while we are moving. 
so slow down a little bit that you can be aware of the right step, the left step, right step, left step. Noting is simply as left, right, left, right, and so on. (coughs) But in walking meditation, we also have other objects to observe. We don't stick only to observe the movement of the foot, but as we are observing the movement of the feet, a thought may arise. We may hear a sound. Some sensation may arise in the body. So when we notice that, then we immediately stop observing the movement of the foot, but bring our awareness to that thought, let's say. And in the same way as we do in sitting meditation, our awareness is with the thought, the thought process, observing it as it is happening, noting it, thinking, 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 until the thought has disappeared. Then we can bring back our awareness to our feet and continue to observe the movement of the feet. Or we might hear a sound. And so if that's the case, we shift our awareness to that hearing, the sound, being aware that we hear some kind of sound, observing it, noting it, hearing, 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 hearing. And when the sound has stopped, we can continue to observe the movement of the feet. In the same way, if sensations arise in the body, some itchiness or cold, heat, tingling, then we also bring our awareness there and observe these sensations. And once they have disappeared or become very uh, weak or subtle, when they are no longer really distinct or obvious, uh, we can uh, continue to observe the movement of the feet. And the same applies to pains that might arise in the walking meditation and of course also to emotions, emotional states, such as anger or fear, happiness, frustration, boredom, laziness, excitement, whatever it is. As soon as it becomes distinct and obvious, shift the mind there, observe that. And only when it's gone, Uh, go back to the primary object, the movement of the feet. These are the basic instructions for the walking meditation. And later on, as our mindfulness deepens, as concentration gets better, and as we naturally want to see more clearly or more details of what is happening, then we can slow down the walking more and more, and then we also can observe a step in more details. So then we can divide the step into 
three parts or four parts, five parts, six parts, and so on. And so uh, in the days to come and depending on your practice, on what you report in the interviews, then I will give you more specific uh, instructions of how to observe the step, let's say, in three parts. Just to give you um, uh, an idea of what that is like. So then um, observing a step in three parts would be to observe the lifting of the foot. First of all, you lift the foot off the ground. So that's the first part. After that, you need to move it forward a bit. And so this forward movement is the second part. And lastly, you bring the foot down to the ground. So uh, drop it down. So that's the third part. So then we would uh, mindfully observe the lifting movement, the moving forward, and the dropping. And then the next step also. Observe it as lifting, pushing, dropping, lifting, pushing, dropping. And as I said, one can add a fourth part, a fifth, a sixth, and so on. But it's good to build it up gradually, not to go to too many parts too quickly, because the mind needs to be ready to be able to yeah, do it slower and uh, see more clearly then. And lastly, the instructions for mindfulness in daily activities. As I mentioned, this includes everything that is not formal sitting or walking meditation. So throughout the day, you have to engage in different activities. The first thing in the morning, uh, after waking up, you need to get up, you need to get dressed, go to the toilet, wash your face, brush your teeth, and so on. Then you need to come to the meditation hall. Later on, you need to eat, eat breakfast, eat lunch. Then Sometimes uh, you need to take a shower or do some laundry. So all these different activities need also to be uh, mindfully observed. Because if we only try to be mindful during formal sitting and walking meditation, then there will be many gaps as we engage in these different activities. So to make or trying to get a constant mindfulness over the whole day, we need to include these different activities in our practice. And it's important uh, to acknowledge that this aspect of being mindful of daily activities is as important as sitting meditation or walking meditation. Because sometimes meditators have the idea that the most important thing is sitting. After that, walking. Yeah, a little bit important. But mindfulness of daily activities, 
no, no, not important. I just do them quickly so that I can go back <laughs> to sit or walk. But in Vipassana meditation, we really need to include everything in our practice because, as I said in the beginning, it's about understanding uh, what is happening in the body and mind. And as you do these different activities, you still have the body. It still produces some uh, experiences, sensations. There is still the mind. It still thinks or wanders or gets anxious or is worried or maybe is mindful. So that's why it is important to see this third aspect as an integral part of the practice. And mindfulness of daily activities, as it says, you know, most of the time we are engaged in some sort uh, of activity, action, getting up, getting dressed, going to the toilet, taking a shower, having a meal. So it's many actions and movements that are happening during that time. And so it's these different movements, actions of the body that uh, we want to be mindful of, that is our uh, object of meditation. So for example, getting up in the morning from uh, bed. So as we turned around and moved the upper body upright and put the feet down on the ground and stand up. So instead of doing it just automatically, because that's what we do every morning and somehow the body knows how to do that by itself, but usually there is not much mindfulness present with this activity. But now we really want to be present with these different movements that the body is engaged in. So as you uh, put move up your body, try to be with that movement. Try to really feel the upper part of the body moving up. Uh, moving over your legs, putting them on the ground. Also try to be fully aware that this movement is happening right now. And then standing up. <coughs> And because these are all movements that we do every day and we have them done for many years, 20, 40, 60 years, uh, they have become a routine. We just do them. And as I said, very seldom are we fully present with what we are doing. Very often the mind is occupied with something else, already there, already shopping, uh, being overcome with some worries or nagging thoughts, or simply indulging in a fantasy. And so this has become quite a strong habit. Uh, we are deeply conditioned doing so. And so to um, overcome this habit, to change this strong conditioning, it's not so easy. <laughs> and so, if we try to be mindful while doing these activities, if we do that in our usual speed, then we will fall back to our strongly ingrained habits 
very often, very often. And so uh, it's quite difficult to become more and more mindful of them. And so here also, to help our mind to be more mindful of these activities, the slowing down of these movements helps greatly to bring more awareness of what you are doing. Because, you know, doing things a bit more slowly is not what you usually do. That's something new, some, something unusual. And so it needs some, some effort. It all, it's also a fact of remembering. But trying to remember and uh, arousing this little bit more effort to do them slower as usual, that already uh, increases our mindfulness. So by trying to deliberately do them a bit slower than usual, that makes us more present, makes us more aware of what we are doing. So with all these different actions and activities, movements that we are doing, so try uh, to slow down them a bit. And, you know, as practice will go on, naturally the movements will become uh, more and more slow because naturally uh, the mind then wants to see more clearly, more details. In the beginning, yeah, it's a fact of remembering to do them a bit uh, more slowly. And also use the label to observe these movements. That also helps to be more mindful of what you're doing. So while standing up, for example, after the sitting meditation, you know, as you shift your legs and move your arms to the sides and uh, try to stand up, you can note it more generally as standing standing up, standing up, standing up, standing up. Or later on, more specifically, uh, as you stretch out your legs, stretching, stretching, stretching. As you move your arms to the side, moving, moving, moving. As you shift your weight, shifting, 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 and so on. So, actions, activities that you do in your room should be mindfully observed. Eating is another area where uh, we need to train to become more mindful because also eating, we just do it habitually. So also try to slow down while taking the food, sitting down and then taking a spoonful of food, bringing it up to the mouth, putting it into the mouth, start chewing the food, swallowing the food. So these are all different actions, movements, that we should become more and more aware of. As I said, uh, slowing down is a great tool for uh, deepening our mindfulness for seeing more clearly, also for uh, helping establish concentration. But 
there are two areas where you don't need to slow down. And this is when you use the toilet or the shower. Especially later on, when meditators become like snails, would be a great disturbance for many other medita- uh, meditators waiting in, uh, in front of the toilet <laughs> or shower until that yogi has finished. So there, you know, be considerate of your fellow meditators. You still can be mindful when you go to the toilet or take a shower, but apply a rather general mindfulness, just generally aware of what you are doing. But, you know, in your room, where nobody else is around, you have all the liberty of being as slow as you want, or uh, walking from one place to another, or once you sit down and have your meal. So taking the food, also, you know, see when other meditators are behind you, uh, do it mindfully, not too slow. But once you sit on the table, then you're not a disturbance or obstacle for other meditators any longer. And so you can take your time to be really uh, mindful and uh, aware of what you're doing. So these are the basic instructions for Vipassana meditation in the three aspects of sitting meditation, walking meditation, and mindfulness in daily activities. So I think this should be clear enough for the beginning. And as you have daily interviews, then you can ask questions if something is not clear. And I will give you more uh, instructions depending on your experiences uh, and your practice. So I want to close this talk with a quote from Deepa Ma, which was a highly realized woman who passed away not so long ago. So in regard to mindfulness, she said, the whole path of mindfulness is this, Whatever you are doing, be aware of it. So may all of you be able to become mindful, to be mindful of physical and and mental phenomena as they are arising, understanding them in their true nature and become fully liberated. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.